أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم بسم الله الذي لا يضر مع اسمه شيء في الأرض ولا في السماء وهو السميع العليم بسم الله مجريه ومرسهن ربي لغفور الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى آل سيدنا إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد اللهم ربنا تخلنا مدخل صدق وأخرجنا مخرج صدق وجعلنا من لدنك سلطانا نصيرا جاء الحق وذهق الباطل إن الباطل كان زهوقا ربنا اجعل جمعنا هذا جمع مباركا مرحوما واجعل اللهم تفرقنا من بعده تفرقا معصوما ورث اللهم فينا ولا معنا ولا منا شقيا ولا محروما وصل اللهم على سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي رب أوذعنا نشكر نعمتك التي أنعمت علي وعلى والدي ونعمل صالحا ترضاه وأصلح لي في الذريتي إني تكتو إليك وإني من المسلمين وصلي وسلم على سيدنا أحمد النبي الأمين وآله وسلم وحنا ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الفاتح بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين نعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين السلام عليكم أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله الأمين محمد بن عبد الله وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا uh, Last time when we were talking in the Syria we were talking about the journey by night الإسراء والمعراج and we discussed in details uh, the issue of the Prophet وسلم being called upon to come to receive the most important worship uh, Many people don't understand that Salah is vital for somebody who claims to be a Muslim. A lot of us sometimes make excuses about Salah. And when I say excuses, in not knowing the rights of Salah. And the rights of Salah begin from the Istinja and the Tahara generally, like Wudu, Ghusl, okay. and the place you pray, the clothes you wear when you are praying, all those things are essential and important. Then also, praying the Salah with knowing the Qur'an and how to recite those surahs of the Qur'an, plus the extra bit that is very, very important as well to think about, is praying your prayer in its time and understanding and appreciating your prayer. Salah is not a joke. Well, you can do anything. You can go about claiming everything, but if you don't pray, or you neglect your salah, then there is difficulty. Salah is like the fuse, just in the socket. If you take it away, you will not be able to use whatever you have. And the same thing, if you don't make salah, then whatever you have of knowledge, of dhikr, of ibadah, is not going to be sufficient for you to be the Muslim that Allah wants you to be. So I hope people will take it seriously, and one day, inshallah, in one of those talks, I'm going to talk about the spiritual aspects of Salah, inshallah. But for today, to continue the seerah, we have to realize that it's a very difficult time when Khadija died, radiallahu ta'ala anha, and Abu Talib died. And in that time, Rasulullah has to think of a way out because anybody who wanted to become a Muslim is in danger. In danger of being cut off by his people, in Mecca or outside Mecca, in danger, if the Meccan people get him or her, they surely will kill them. 
because it is becoming a dangerous thing. Anybody who wants Islam has to strive with the will that if they die, alhamdulillah. The will that if suddenly anything happened to them is only by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And therefore, while the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was encouraging people to become Muslims and the life was becoming very hard for people to come and see him, he used to look for occasions through which he can invite people to Islam. And once upon a time, a man came to Mecca and heard the Prophet ﷺ reciting the Quran and he was feeling good. So he went back to his people in Najd. This is east of Saudi Arabia. And he started speaking to them about this beautiful message that is being given. And one of the companions who embraced Islam later, Abadar al-Ghifari, narrates himself the story that suddenly he heard about people talking about this man. Some of them think that he's crazy, some of them think he's mad, his people are uh, removing him uh, from the position of being recognized as a man or a member of the community. His companions or people who followed him were killed, some of them, some of them were shunned, some of them were thrown away. A lot of things were happening. Subhanallah, he called his brother, this is about that, Al-Ghifari, from a tribe called Ghifar. He called his brother and said to him, I would like you to go and get me the news of this man whom they are speaking about as someone who's talking about the news of the heaven. Bringing the news of the heaven. I want to hear about it. I want to know something about it. So his brother packed himself, traveled to Mecca. Mecca received everybody. He was just a guest in Mecca, shopping around, coming to the Kaaba. Nobody is questioning or asking. There is no restrictions like today. You need a visa. There is custom people question. No, he just walked in like everybody else. And he saw Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam around the Kaaba. He saw him walking around Mecca. He heard what he was saying. So he went back and he went to his brother, Abadar. He said, Akhbirni. Did you hear any news about this man? What is he? What did he say? So he quoted this exact quotation. I have seen him commanding people to conduct themselves with the best of conduct. But the word he is reading is not poetry. But yet it has the power of poetry and greater. Many people don't know that the Quran is revealed to challenge the poets of Arabia. So he's saying it's like poetry but not poetry. This is something strange. The people of Mecca were known for their poetry. The Kaaba was a witness to the best of poetry because it used to be hanged okay, on the cross of the Kaaba. Now subhanallah his brother said to him, no. Abadar said, no. You haven't brought me something to satisfy my heart. You haven't brought me something to make me feel anything. You are just like all of them. I wanted something stronger. I wanted something to make me feel something. I'm not going to be satisfied. I'm not going to be sitting here waiting for people to bring me news. I'm going to go myself. And he was known for his courage and wisdom. And he was known to be a man who will fear nothing. 
He will talk loudly about the truth, even if he's going to be killed. He doesn't bother about that. So he packed his things, got into his camel and traveled to Mecca. He arrived in Mecca. While he's entering Mecca, subhanAllah, the wisdom of Allah, who sees him? Ali ibn Abi Talib. And he was young. He knows strangers were coming. He knows the Meccan were plotting and planning secretly to kill the Prophet Who's coming? Because they were not able to challenge him, because there are people protecting him and then there might be big problem between the tribes and Quraysh was known. So they were getting other tribes to do the job on their behalf. So he noticed this man, so he followed him. The man walked to the Masjid al-Haram today, which is the Kaaba at the time, and are surrounded by the idol. Everybody is praying, everybody is worshipping, everybody is holding on to something. And the man sit around, look around, sees nothing. Sit, wait, wait, wait. Ali was watching him. The man then goes. And he just walk out to the desert. And then he set his tent. He get into it. Ali waits. Look at the courage of this young guy. As if Allah has inspired him to know this man is coming for a reason. Next morning, the man does the same thing. Ali does the same thing. Until the third day, for two nights, okay, and two days, Ali was following him. The third day, then Ali asked him and said to him these words, okay? <coughs> Allah... What brought you to this place? Imagine a young child, just a young person, following a man. To show you at that time, people were not worried. Nobody asked where Ali, if one find him, he's lost, he's been kidnapped. No, no. His people will know he's safe. If today somebody has got 10, 11, 12 years old, not coming home, okay? Qiyamah will start. Everybody will be worried. The police will be ranked. Uncle, aunties, everybody will be talking about it in the news. But he's a young man who's safe because his family knew who he is and what he will do. But this is the guidance of Allah. So he approached him and said, what, what brings you? The man says to him, I will only tell you. I will only tell you if you can give me your word that you will say nothing to nobody. He said, then, follow me. He didn't answer anything. He said, just follow me. So Ali let him, and the man followed him. And the man didn't say, why did he come? But Ali knew from his heart, this man is looking for the Prophet. So until they came to the Prophet, and he sat in front of the Prophet, and the Prophet, recited from the Quran. When the Quran was recited to him, he immediately felt this is the truth. So he said to the Prophet I came all this way for me and for me alone to be healed within and that healing has taken place. That healing has taken place. I'm ready now. Not just for myself, but for everybody. The Prophet turned to him and said to him, Go back to your people and inform them if you want to. But wait there 
until you hear I am ready, then come back. Then, he went out. When he went out, it wasn't really just to go back to his family. He went out to the Kaaba. Not satisfied that these people who are hearing this message from this person, from the community, is not being listened to because his message is the truth. He must say it. He stood around the Kaaba and in front of all the Atawila, the huge mushrikeen, the big criminals in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, al mujrimin those who were punishing the poor and the orphan and the slaves and the women and the children and they don't want them to be free. He shouted loudly with the highest voice he can, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammad rasulullah And he kept repeating it. And every time he repeated it, he got this kind of power within himself. And that's what this word gives you. And here he gets all those thugs, those criminals, and they were beating him until he fell down. When he fell down, Al-Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib, one of the Muslims then, came and stood and said, listen to me, this will be trouble for you. Do you know who he is and where he comes from? Tell us, they said. He said, this is from Ghifar. And Ghifar is a tribe you have to pass through to go to Sham when you're traveling to the north. And they look after you in their way or in your way to them. You will create problem for you, for your caravans. They will do damage. Let him go. So they let him go. You think he will just pack up and go back to his family. He stayed. He went rested in the morning when everybody is gathered and everybody is busy with their worship of the idol he came back again and did the same thing and again they beat him up and who comes Al-Abbas come again to save him nobody is safe everybody was in danger and no one can do anything to change the situation only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so At that time, the Prophet ﷺ was looking into the heaven, looking for solutions. Because solutions for anybody who is starting a project that is coming spiritually has to come from the spirit world. It cannot come from the physical world. Because nobody knows what he was talking about. To them it is magic. To them it is somebody who is saying nonsense. What is this? Madness. But to him it is the truth. And for those who believed in him, they knew it is the truth. Now, the Prophet ﷺ felt the best thing to do is he's now meeting a lot of people and talking to them whenever they come to Mecca. And he's not bothered. One, two, three, four. But the Hajj was coming. The Hajj of the Mushrikeen was a big gathering time. So, subhanAllah, when the Muslim, as we call it, the season of Hajj comes, he went and he began to speak to the different people who he can meet. But because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted him to have a success, as Jibreel brought him down, as I talked last week, in Yathrib, Al-Madina, Tayyiba, and told him to pray to Raga'ah. This will be Darul Hijra. This will be the place. So a group from a tribe called Al-Khazraj, and in Medina, the most 
famous Arab tribes are Khazraj and Aws. And the strange thing, subhanallah, Al-Aws and Khazraj, they were not tribes that were living in peace, never. In fact, five years before the Prophet migrated, or you can say exactly about one year before his companion began to migrate to Medina, there was the biggest war that's taking place between these tribes. They say almost they killed one another, burned their houses. They keep fighting. One will win in the morning, and in the afternoon, the other one will prepare themselves. I come back in and they defeat them. They kept doing this until too many people died. And they felt bad about it. So, from this tribe, Al-Khazraj, some men were there. The Prophet sat with them in a place called Al-Aqaba. And then he started introducing them to his message, to Islam. What is it? What is Islam? Because even for us today, if we don't know what Islam is, we're confused. How could we practice something that we don't know? It's an important word to understand. It is an important... And some people say Islam is the five pillars. Fine. But what is these five pillars? Some people say Islam is to believe in Allah as the one. So what does that mean? The Prophet ﷺ had the wisdom of putting his word in the right place to fall in the right heart to expand the understanding of people just like that. No man, no woman listens to him and their heart was prepared by Allah for faith, only they will be taken that shihada. So those people were amazed by the word of the Prophet But they were even struck further when he began to recite the Quran for them. Because they were in Medina, different than the people of Mecca. The people of Mecca, they are always with the idols. They are always mixing with the people who come from all corners around Arabia to worship the idols. However, the people of Medina, Al-Aws Al-Khazraj, were different. They were living with the Jews and the Christians. Subhanallah, the Christian and the Jews were very close to the message of Isa and Musa. These people in Mecca were distanced from listening to any message or understanding any message. So their hearts were like rocks. But in Medina it was different. So while the Prophet was reading the Quran, one man from Al-Khazraj says to the people, Ya qawmi, O my people, Wallahi innahu nabiyya alladhi tawa'adakum bihi al-Yahud. By Allah Almighty God, it is the Prophet whom the Jews keep telling you about. Could the Jews used to say, there is a Messiah coming. They are still saying it today. Because Isa to them is not the real Messiah. Isa is not the real Messiah to them. No, no, no. In fact, today, in Israel, they have built the house of the Messiah. Yalu. Go and research it. They have brought the calf, the unblemished calf. I have seen it. And they put it waiting for him because they believe it should be sacrificed when he arrived. But the calf is already being found. The calf is already being sacrificed. The flesh from the okay, thigh of it, a piece was taken and the man who was dead was hit with it and he this is Surah Al-Baqarah. Their understanding is totally upside down. For us it has happened thousands of years ago. For them is still to come. Little they know, the man who will come now 
will be the man who will consolidate the message of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who will be named by his name and who will carry the father's name Abdullah Muhammad ibn Abdullah al-Mahdi Thaka Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and hatha Muhammad al-Mahdi that's a different damuhu min damih wa ismuhu min ismi aw ala ismi abi his blood is the same his name is the same and the same name of the father but they are totally different he comes from him just to consolidate nothing else and subhanallah this Khazraji when he said to his people like that they all turned and said by Allah it's the truth oh Muhammad what our brother is saying is true so we believe in what you say what for us to do we trust in what you say we believe in what you do Indeed, you are the Prophet. So they declared their Islam. When they became Muslims, the Prophet said to them, take yourself and go. These were the first people to bring the best news to the Prophet that in Medina, far away, and an area where people have knowledge of religion, and their hearts are softer, the beginning is coming. The evidence of his journey by night and his prayer in Medina is being okay, accepted. So subhanallah, they went back and they began to talk about Islam. There is no house, they say, at that time, only the mention of Muhammad is there. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Everybody, women, children, talk, who is this Muhammad? Everybody wants to know. Everybody wants to meet. Everybody wants to go and see where is he, what he's doing. Okay? Now, A year later, straight away, in the same time, the Hujjaj from Medina among the Mushrikeen of the Arabs and the others who were coming from Sham, they were all coming through. Twelve of the Muslims of Medina came with the Hujjaj. Because at that time, everybody was hiding his Islam. And by the way, this is the wisdom. Today, if somebody you meet, you talk to, in university, in college, at work, and you are inviting them to Islam, or they question you about Islam, and they were worried for them to be known, or they are frightened if they become Muslim and be shunned by their people or their families, don't say it, don't, astaghfirullah, you just declare it. Especially if they are married and they have children, oh, just she's a kafra, if she wants to accept Islam, other divorce her. No. I hear this a lot. We don't come to destroy we come to build. We don't come to separate. We come to unite. Our message is a message of unity. A message that was brought to consolidate what prophets brought before. As the Prophet said in the Hadith, I'm the last brick in that beautiful wall which has been built by those messengers. My example, he said, compared to the other prophets, it's like a beautiful wall that has been completed. Just one brick is missing and it is me. We don't destroy. We don't say evil things. We say the right thing. So your message should be the message of wisdom. So the Prophet ﷺ told them that way. So imagine those 12 men came back and they met again in Al-Aqaba. Now the Prophet ﷺ, when people have learned, became strong, he will give them bay'ah. Bay'ah is an oath of allegiance that a believer will give to his teacher, his master, 
his leader. So that he has given it to Allah. Allah revealed in Surah Al-Fatih the verse, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يُبَيْعُونَكَ O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, indeed those who will give an oath of allegiance to you, إِنَّمَا يُبَيْعُونَ اللَّهِ For sure they are only giving this allegiance to Allah. إِنَّمَا يُبَيْعُونَ اللَّهِ يَدُوا اللَّهِ فَوْقَ أَيْدِيهِمْ The hand of Allah is above their hands when they are putting it in your hand. فَمَنْ نَكَثَ فَإِنَّمَا يَنْكُثُ عَلَى نَفْسِهِ Whosoever goes against this oath only goes against himself. وَمَنْ أَوْفَى بِمَا عَهَدَ عَلَيْهُ اللَّهِ And whosoever fulfills that which he promised Allah in that oath, فَسَيُؤْتِيهُ اللَّهُ أَجْرًا عَظِيمًا Allah will give them reward in abundance or great reward. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will fulfill for them what they have made an oath about. So the bay'ah is an important part of our religion. The bay'ah is an important part of this faith of ours. Many people question it today. Why people give bay'ah to a sheikh? He's just a man. They don't understand. The bay'ah is not for the man. The bay'ah is for Allah. Some people say, well, I gave a bay'ah to a sheikh, but he's dead now. I say, you are a foolish person because you didn't understand what bay'ah is. Like the companions who said when the Prophet died, that's it. We can go back to our ways. Until Umar ibn Khattab says, okay, this is wrong. We shouldn't say that. And then Abu Bakr Sadiq Sudaman said, whosoever used to worship Allah, Allah is alive. But whosoever used to worship Muhammad, Muhammad is dead. Our religion is not to worship Muhammad. Our religion is not to give an oath to a sheikh or a master. Or a sage, our religion is to worship Allah the one, to follow Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam example. And when we give an oath of allegiance to a normal mortal who's been honored by Allah, we're giving it to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. If you don't understand that, you shouldn't even sign. An oath is a signature you have signed. Like somebody takes shahada without understanding what shahada is. It makes me feel sad. People today talk about Muslims who go back against Islam. You know why? Because they didn't understand. The people who gave them da'wah brought them in and alhamdulillah I got a reward. And then they leave them without any knowledge, without education, without care. They are mu'allafa qulubuhum. Their heart are there to be fulfilled with love and tenderness and kindness, gentleness and knowledge. But nobody gives. How could you keep them? Just like the murids of today. The mashayikh want to have too many murids. Ha, bring your hand. Come here. We have a million murid, we have a ten. So what? This is sad. Really, be careful. You are seeking knowledge. You are seeking the path of Allah. Be like a young woman who is beautiful. She comes from a good lineage, good blood. Her family is famous. She is rich. Will she marry any man who comes to her like that? Or she will choose. She will pick the best. The tariq to Allah, the path to Allah is like that. Not, not a joke. It's not a joke. Please, seriously, if you are looking, be honorable. All the best sages of the world, they were like that. Mashaykh will run after them, come. Even the awliya who could see, I want to give you bay'ah, I say no. I don't want bay'ah. What for? I want to know first, what am I putting myself into? You don't just sign any contract. This is a contract between you and Allah. You don't want to fail it because it will be against you. So those 12 men, 
the Prophet ﷺ put them and talked to them and explained to them their future, okay, journey. Then he gave them the bay'ah. It is called bay'at al-Aqaba al-Ula. The bay'ah of Aqaba, the first. That means you are now responsible for the people of Medina. But because you are still needing that knowledge in Medina, you are, okay, understanding the message of Tawheed. People are coming to Islam, understanding certain behaviors. You need to learn the Quran. You need to learn how to invite people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so he chose the best companion who was learned among those with him in Mecca, and it was Mus'ab ibn Umair. Wonderful. Read his story. Wonderful man. A best example for people who want to feel the path of da'wah in their heart. The Prophet brought him forward said, you travel with them. And you will go there and you will teach them the Quran. And the prayer is already been ordained and you will lead them in jama'ah. So he became the fairest muqri, the fairest qari, the fairest teacher of Quran for a community. What a lucky man. And all the people of Medina used to call him al-qari. This was his name. In the day of judgment, he would be called that. In the day of judgment, before everybody, this is the man. Not all people want to be qari, he was the man. Because his voice was beautiful, his understanding of the Quran was fantastic. Why shouldn't he when the Prophet taught him by his tongue? Why shouldn't he when his heart was stopped by the heart of the Prophet ﷺ? Now, subhanAllah, Mus'ab ibn Umair began to give his da'wah and talk to the people. And I, I, I'm, it hurt me when I hear terrible thing about Asya. When I came to this land, Wallah Allah was my witness, I never go out to invite all them. They come to me. Today we need to look for them. Because they are frightened, they are worried. They look at us as ignorant people, evil people. Look what happened in Malina. What is this? What Islam is that? When you go and destroy the heritage, the Mongols put the books of the best writers of Islam in the Euphrates River until the ink changed the color of the river to cross. We don't learn, we don't read, we don't understand. We go in and chop hands and rape women. Where is that in Islam? Where is that in the teaching of Muhammad Come on, my brothers, come on. We are living in a fertile land. Allah has brought us here, whether we like it or not, to give the example of Islam. Either we do it properly or we are doomed. We do it properly by following the example of Mus'ab ibn Umair. He was wise. Why shouldn't he be wise when he saw the Prophet ﷺ, how he spoke? He was trained by him in a very short period. A week with the Prophet ﷺ is like a year. A week, just sitting one week with the Prophet is like you stayed with him one year in teaching. And subhanAllah, through his hand, leaders became Muslims in Medina. Okay? Leaders became Muslims. He is a man whom we should look up to. Now, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala choose Al-Aws Wal-Khazraj to become Muslims? Okay? Because of these qualities. I want you to listen to this. Number one, Al-Riqqa. 
they were very lenient people. Number two, a lean, they were very soft people. Number three, Adam al-Mughalaf al-Kibriya, they will never boast or show in arrogance. If you look at Mecca people, they were like that. In the way they walk, the way they lived, the way they dressed, people like Abu Jahl and Abu Lahab and Abu Sufyan before Islam, they, they, they have to be seen. When I look at Jahiliya in Mecca, by Allah Almighty God, the world we live in today is worse than that. Because there are people who are like that. You are taught to be arrogant. You are taught to be a liar, a deceiver, somebody who can cheat people of their wealth and their money, and you think you are clever. No. Mecca people were like that. But Medina people were the opposite people to the people of Mecca. Okay? And the weird thing, they will never, never, never deny the truth. When they see the truth, they will accept it. But subhanallah, the people of Mecca, even if the truth hit them on the head, they will not accept it. They will turn away from it. And that's what happened in the past. Okay? Why then Al-Aws Al-Khazraj were in this position? Why? Because of their blood. If you think about it, Mecca is in the south, Medina is in the north, and north of Medina, you can go to Sham, you can go to Palestine. But the people of Medina, originally, Aws Al-Khazraj, those Arabs, they're from Yemen. And Yemen people are good people. The Prophet ﷺ was heard to say, Allah mubarak lana fi Yemenina. Oh Allah, bless Yemen for us. Why? Because the people there are good. And subhanAllah, if you go today to Yemen, you see blessings, especially in Hadramaut. A desert land with oases so beautiful that you will never believe. If you go to where Habib Umar, Habib Ali Jifri are residing, you will see the beauty of that land. Okay? Now, the Prophet ﷺ has proven this by saying, when once he was visited by a group of men from Yemen. So immediately he told the companion this statement. Atakum ahl al-Yaman Here has come to you the people of Yemen Araqqu af'idatan wa alyanu quluban Sensitives Okay? In their dealing with people and gentle and kind in their hearts. So every Yemeni should feel proud of this because of this word. No Yemeni, and this is the truth, should be out of this. If anybody who's from Yemen or claims to be Yemeni and doesn't have the description, he's not Yemeni. Have you have, ever seen Habib Ali Jifri? When you see him, if he mentioned Muhammad, he cries. <laughs> yes, he says Muhammad. In fact, he's more shy than women. His way of handling himself why shouldn't he be when he's from there? When his great-grandfather said, these are the people whom their hearts are gentle and kind. Okay? And this is why Rasulullah has been given the people of Medina. Allah described them in the Quran. Later on, the Quran was revealed about them. In Surah Al-Hashr, verse number 9. Surah Al-Hashr, verse number 9. Read this and you can understand. Allah said, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم والذين تبوؤوا الدار من قبلهم And those who have resided in Medina before them. 
They love those who migrate to them. And they don't find anything there in their heart against those who comes to them, even if there is trouble between them, they forgive. Not just that, they put them before themselves. So the people of Medina, by nature, Allah has described them as the Quran described them. Okay? In Surah Al-Hashr, but Rasulullah has given the description in his own way to say that the gentle people, but Allah is confirming to us. Okay? When you look at the people of Mecca, their harshness, as I said, comes because they were distant from the messages. Mustafa. And the messengers that came, okay? They, they don't know anything. They're only interested in what they have inherited. And the idols, the rocks, the wood, the metal that was put for them to worship. Okay? Allah says about them in the Quran, Surah Yasin, verse 6. O Muhammad, we have sent you to people. Their fathers before them were not warned. They didn't receive any messenger. You are the first one. After a long period of time, hopefully, to put that message in their heart. Okay? The Aus and the Khazraj, on the other hand, in Medina, they used to hear the Jews saying, okay, to them this, Sayyub'athu, they will be a prophet brought at the end of time. When he arrives in the scene, we will kill him and we will kill you with him. This is the Jews of Medina. He used to say this openly to our Awsul Khazraj. Our books tell us that a man will arrive as a prophet and he will appear anytime. But once he appears, rest assured, you and him will be killed. Because they knew he's not going to be from them. These are the people who wanted the Prophet to be from Bani Israel. Okay? Allah said about this in the Quran. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ولما جاءهم كتاب من عند الله مصدق لما معهم When a book was revealed to them from Allah Almighty subhanahu wa ta'ala approving what they have already received in the Torah. وَكَانُوا مِنْ قَبْلِ يَسْتَفْتِحُونَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا And before, they used to talk to those people who don't believe from that message they have received. That is the truth from Allah. And that the Prophet is coming. فَلَمَّا جَاءَهُمْ When that Prophet appeared and the message arrived to them, مَا عَرَفُوا Allah said That which they knew it is the truth, they de- declared, no, we are not going to believe in it. And the curse of Allah will be upon those who will reject the truth. So whenever you hear the truth, whenever you hear something that is correct, don't deny it. Even if it's against yourself, don't deny it. Accept it, because otherwise you're going to be in difficulty in living your life. This is in Surah Al-Baqarah. Verse 89 and the one before it, 
as I said in Yasin verse 6. Now, people of Medina al Awsul Khazraj, as I said, they were fighting wars for years. But the worst battle they had five years before the Prophet came to Medina. And the worst day for them, they call it Ba'ith. Ba'ith is a day whereby, as I said, they were fighting and resting, fighting and resting. There came a moment when Al Aws burnt almost all the houses of Al Khazraj because they felt they were all dead. But then they came back and they defeated them. And this is all happening within a day. Until they were tired. Too many people died. Too many children were orphaned. Too many women were widowed. So they hated fighting. They wanted a way out. And this is one of the reasons why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen them. Okay? When they came to the Prophet those 12 men, and made the bay'ah, they said something important to him because they knew that if the people back heard about this message, they will forget about fighting and maybe the two tribes can live again as a family and have a better life. They said to the Prophet We have indeed left our people behind and came to see you, O Muhammad. And there is no other people on the earth today have got animosity and fitna among themselves like our people we left behind. Perhaps through this message you are bringing, maybe Allah will unite them. And unite them with you. Indeed, if Allah can unite them with you or allow them to meet you or you can meet them, we believe that there is no man more dearer, more respected today for us than yourself. You are going to do that job we wanted. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha said, okay, the day of Ba'ith, that day of the fighting, Yawmun, or Yawman, Allah ta'ala rasulihi. That is the day Allah has brought forth for his messenger. Because they were in the lowest point of not wanting any battles, no fight. They, they, they hated that. They saw too much blood, too much killing, too much destruction. So as if Allah allowed them to do that so that they can be ready for Muhammad Sallam to take their hearts and bring them to Islam. Now, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala choose Medina? In the last week session, we says that Jibreel alayhi salam already informed Sayyidina Muhammad sallam, هذه يثرب, هذه طيبة, طابة مثواك فيها. This is Yathrib, this is the good place, your stay will be made better in it, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Number one, if we look at Medina, if you travel to Medina a lot and you go around, it's a very beautiful city. Everyone travel to Mecca and Medina. Soon they come back and they say, Oh, Sheikh, I didn't really like Mecca. But when I went to Medina, I liked Medina. Why? First, because they say, people of Mecca are a little bit hard. People of Medina are soft. That's what the Prophet said. 
they are Khazraj and all, they are good people. In that sense, they are people of Yemen. But there is something they don't realize. The nature of Medina itself is beautiful. Medina, in two sides, is surrounded, okay, from the west towards, okay, the Red Sea is mountain. And towards the east is mountain. And the mountains of Medina, by the way, are volcanic mountains. They're not very high. But they're all over the place. But the land itself, you cannot walk over it. It's difficult to walk. And animals find it very difficult. They take time. And especially if you've got a caravan or an army to travel, it's difficult. Subhanallah, people used to avoid it. But from the south, it's green. Too many trees, even today, palm trees. There are only the small little paths for people to pass through. So it is protected from The only area which is open is the north. Traveling to Sham. Why Rasulullah at the Battle of Al-Ahzab, Al-Khandaq, through Salman al-Farisi advice, he dug the ditch from the only one side. People think it was all around Medina. No, no, no. It was only that area. Because those two sides, nobody can pass. This is difficult. If you just put people with arrows, they will stop whoever is coming. And through the trees, it's hard. Too difficult for an army or horses to go through. It will take a long time. Just covering the path, people can destroy whoever is coming. Okay? So this is the first quality why Medina was chosen. Rasulullah said it in a hadith to the companion who were sitting with him in Mecca. إني رأيت رهجرتكم I have seen the land of your hijrah, the land of your migration, because Jibreel already showed him in the Mi'raj or the Isra night. That a Nakhlin, it had a lot of palm trees. Baina Harratan. Baina Harratan. That means between two areas of rocks or volcanic rocks. They call it Harra. A volcanic rock is so two sides surrounding it is volcanic rocks and the other side is full of trees and these trees are palm trees. Okay, number two, why Medina was chosen? Because the people of Medina were generous. The people of Medina were courageous in battles. The people of Medina were honorable to keep their promises. They will not break them. That's why Allah praised them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, yani these people will be the first to honor, inshallah, Rasulullah in the Day of Judgment by entering with him paradise first. These are the people okay, of the first area. They live their life free. Nobody conquered them. Nobody ruled them. If you go to Sham, it was ruled by different people. Okay? If you go to the south, the Yemenis were ruled by different people. But that area, no. Nobody touched it. They were Good people. Okay? So their heart and their mind were pure. Number three, why Medina was chosen? It was chosen because Al-Aus Al-Khazraj were from Qahtan. Okay? In the blood. Related to okay, Sayyidina Nuh alayhi salam. And the people of Mecca and its surrounding, they are from Adnan. Now, and these are both Arabs. But subhanAllah, they were never at ease or peace with one another. 
if they can come together and become one unit, no power can defeat them of the region at that time. No power. They were always used, even today, if you look at it properly. The best resources in the world is in the hand of the Arabs. Uranium, <coughs> gold, silver, copper, water, <laughs> fertile land, and oil. 75% maybe of the oil of the world is in their hands. They are the richest nation. <coughs> and subhanAllah, they have one religion, that means one God, one messenger, one book. They are one race. They speak one language. But yet, they are used by other forces undivided. Why? Because if they unite, imagine if they have got a united Arab kingdom, nobody can defeat them. But this is the wisdom of Allah. They are divided. Some part with America, some part with Europe, some part with whatever country, Russia. They are always, they are always used by outsiders. And this is the prophecy of Rasulullah until the time comes when the man from him, Muhammad, will come and unite them, inshallah. Okay? This is the third thing. Now, when the people of Mecca migrated to Medina later on, the children of Adnan and the children of Qahtan united and became like one body, and shaitan could never find a way to destroy them. Hence, in 10 years, they did that which no nation before them, and no nation after them, Tuqiyam, will do the same. Nobody can do that. Every president voted in America, or in Europe, in every country, four, five years, six years, they do two terms, eight years, ten years, they say they promise the world, they give nothing. Obama did five years, he have got another four years or five years to go, I promise you, he'll finish, will be done nothing. Those who are crying for him to help will get nothing out of him. Just like Mrs. Thatcher, how many times she had? She promised us plenty. We got nothing. Just only got council tax. <laughs> Still hurting us. <laughs> Am I right or I'm sorry to say that. <sighs> Seriously. As a student at her time, before her time, we used to pay for a university as a foreign student Maximum 800 pounds. She came and she said, foreign students are not benefiting the country. So suddenly she raised the fees to 3,000 pounds. We used to have about half a million students here. Business-wise, the country was benefiting on the tune of 5 billion pounds coming from the foreign student. And overnight they all went. Even India benefited. Indonesia, Malaysia, they all opened universities. Russia. I said to the chairman of the Conservative Party, he called me to ask me, what do you think? Is this policy good? I said, no. He said to me, tell me. He's an old man. I said to him, your prime minister brought something that alienated the student. He said, but because we are subsidizing them. I said, but you advertise, you spend a lot of money to get business. Just the student coming here, when they go back and assume their roles in their countries, some of them become prime ministers, some of them become ministers, some of them they run huge businesses, they speak English, they know England, they will buy from England. But if they go to Russia, he said, you are absolutely right. He left, he told Mrs. Thatcher, said, reverse it. They retain some students their money. 
He asked me, will it bring them back? I said, no. Today, a student can come from abroad. He needs to pay 30,000 pounds or more to study medicine. What a stupid thing. So nobody comes. And those who come, the country lose. So we need to be clever. Okay? We need to be clever in doing those things. Islam then spread in Medina. Okay? Who became a Muslim at that time? In Medina. Sa'ad ibn Ma'ath and Usaid ibn Hudayr. These are the leaders of Medinas. And they became Muslims because, subhanAllah, Mus'ab ibn Umayr, in his way and his wisdom, realized that only by showing them that by becoming Muslims, they're only enhancing their position. They're not losing anything. Today, when we're doing da'wah, even if we don't know Islam, once the person embraces Islam and they go out to Syria, to Yemen, they become knowledgeable, they come back. We as Arabs, because we were born as Muslims, will say, no, we still lead you in the prayer. You don't know, Ajami. <laughs> How sad. I have seen a lot of convert Muslims who knew nothing to do their scholars. Like Hamza Yusuf. How could you say to him, no, you stay in the back? Or like Abdul Hakim Murad. You can't tell them to stay in the back. They should stay in the front. If I have my way in England, all those young kids from our community who are born here, they should allow them to be in the, to- in the front. Because then Islam will take place properly. Because they speak the language of their people. They understand the culture of their people. When Abdul Hakim started doing hymns in Islam, Nasheed, but called it hymns. And he sing it like the church hymns. People said, Sakharullah azim I said, Allahu Akbar. <laughs> Why not? He asked me, what do you think? I said to him, brilliant. Brilliant, really, brilliant. We, we don't understand. When the people brought Islam to my people, they didn't say to us, okay, you all wear Saudi jubbas and make them up to your knee and grow your beard to your knee. We didn't even have long hair. They said, stay you are. They danced with us, with the drums. La ilaha illallah, la ilaha. We danced with them. We became Muslims. Habib Muhammad al-Mashur, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, a man who lived in the 20th century, a great scholar who wrote a book called Miftahul Jannah, La ilaha illallah. Beautiful book. Find it in English and read it. I saw the man. He's like a prophet. MashaAllah. Allah. Beautiful. When you look at him like this, and he's the descendant of Rasulullah he used to go to Africa. Nobody used to hear about him. Uganda, Kenya, everywhere. You know how many Muslims in his hand? 70,000 people became Muslims through his hand. Alaikum wassalam. 70,000 people. There are prophets who will come in the day of judgment to wassalam with nobody. Prophets. They haven't managed to bring one to Islam. Some will come with few. And some will come with nothing. Here, this man, one man, he had many followers from the Muslim community, but 70,000 who said, La ilaha illallah, from his tongue. What an honor. What an honor for Muhammad sallallahu That this is one of his descendants. One of, this is the, the way, but how he do it? By going and sitting, doing his own business, people come. I asked the Sultan of Burnai, how did Islam come to your land? He said, Sheikh, it came through businessmen. Four to five businessmen managed to change the biggest community of the Muslims in the world. Indonesia, Brunei Dar es Salaam, Malaysia, Singapore. You go there, you see real Islam. We are humble. We are arrogant. 
We're Muslim, we're going to heaven, these kuffar are going to hell. But they should feed us. <laughs> they should give us shelter. We should be shrewd and cheat them from their money. But it's haram to cheat. No, they're kuffar. <laughs> but you, you're not about to check from kuffar. No, I'm sorry, Darul Harb, the land of war. I said, well, show me where the war is. <laughs> You need to challenge those people. You need to shout at them and tell them to get out of this land. Seriously. People say to me, well, you are acting with them. I said, yes, I'm British. I am. I carry a paper saying I'm British. So as long as I am carrying that paper, this is my land. These are my people. I will honor them. I will pray for them that Allah will put them in the best position. I will pray for this land to be secure and peaceful. Because only through security and peace then Islam can spread as it was spread from Abyssinia. But to sit here and pray, again is the queen, again is the government. Why are you living here then? In fact, the Prophet ﷺ taught us, if it is the land of war, migrate. You came from the land of war. Whether it's Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Somalia, Darfur, wherever. That, there was war there. Why don't you go to Saudi Arabia? Why did you fly all over? Many of them just passed over Saudi Arabia. If they asked to migrate to Saudi Arabia, they would never even welcome them. This is a reality. This is a reality. You need to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for what we have here. And we need to think like these people who have done great job in spreading Islam at that time. Okay? Now, the scholars agree for the benefit okay, of Islam, Allah has allowed Rasulullah to choose the best da'iyah, the best da'iyah, a man whom I wish I can have a fraction of an atom weight of his wisdom in da'wah, who managed to convert the best people in Medina, the leaders, not the Prophet himself, this man, when he sent him, he said, go, because he gave him, go, and you will change the land. Just, just like Ahmad al-Chishti when he was sent by Ahmad al-Rifai from Baghdad to go to Iran. He didn't stop at Iran, he went to India. Look at all the country now. They are all Sufis. But they do not admit it. <laughs> yeah? Ahmed Chishti changed all of them. Okay, now we come back. The next year, in the Muslim in the Hajj, Muz'ab ibn Umair came back. Alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. And with him, those people who embraced Islam through him, and some of the older ones, 73 men and two women came. They came with the hujjaj. Although there are too many of them, but they came with the mushrikan hujjaj to the hajj. No Muslim were doing hajj. Hajj was not ordained yet. But they're coming to the hajj. So they're coming together. They asked to see the Prophet ﷺ quietly. The Prophet ﷺ in his wisdom could have met them because there are many of them in Mecca, the quarter. But no, no. They hid quietly after the first third of the night in the second third, he met them quietly, and they sat, and they discussed different issues to do with Islam and the difficulties that they are facing in Mecca and what they could do in Medina. But he felt this is now the time to capture the whole of Medina in his hand, and perhaps it will be soon for him to go or ask his companion to go there. The Prophet ﷺ, once he arrived at the meeting, he recited some Quran, and then he made a dua. And his dua, like no dua. 
يعني I want this bay'ah to be for this reason. Ubay'ukum ala an tamna'uni mimma tamna'una minhu nisa'akum wa abna'akum. I give you this oath of allegiance, but that you will protect me. As you protect your women and children. I will leave my people, I will leave my land, and anybody I love, and I will come to you there, but you must protect me. Because in Mecca he was protected. He wanted that from them. So, they gave him the bay'ah. And they promised him they will look after him. And that they said to him, on one condition, Ya Rasulullah, said, yes, what is your condition? That once you come to us, we will look after you like our children, our women, we will protect you from anything. We will die for you. But promise never to leave us. We don't want you to leave. Never to come back to your people. Okay? He said, yes, I promise you. That's why he lived after he came back to Mecca, he went back to Medina, lived with them and died. That's the reason. Otherwise he could have stayed in Mecca. But no. Alright? He says, this is his bay'ah to them. Ana minkum. I am from you. Wa antum minni. And you are from me. Uharibu man haraptum. I will fight anyone whom you find. Wa usalim man salamtum. And I will make peace with anybody you make peace with. Clear. Now, subhanAllah, I said in one of my talks recently, like the country, whether it's here or somewhere else, that in a hadith of Rasulullah, he says, يعني, in order for the person to be a pure believer, a concrete, strong believer, he must love Allah. How to love Allah? By loving Rasulullah, but how to love Rasulullah? By following his way. By following the way of Rasulullah and by living the Sunnah. There's totally different two ways. If you followed his way, and you used his Sunnah. What does that mean? Following the path of Muhammad, that means in every moment, in every time, you're going to do exactly what the Prophet did. And you're going to live the way he lived. In the Sunnah way. That is the meaning of that. So, this is it. Anybody whom the Prophet is with, we are with. Anybody he fights, he fights. Those people went back to Medina. A lot of the people of Medina began to hear about Islam. Mus'ab ibn Umair and the Muslims in the town, they were the talk. Even the Jews and the Christians of Medina, they began to respect them and look up to them. Because now they are living a message that they are supposed to live. They are navigating away from it. They are doing things that they are not supposed to do. But these ones are very strict in the message. Just like one we see today, we who are born Muslims are relaxed about our Islam. And those who convert to Islam are very strict. No wonder today, a lot of the young women who are wise, they say, I want to marry a convert person. Why? Because they are restricting their deen. Lucky the woman who married Hamza, Yusuf. Lucky the woman who married 
Abdul Hakim Murad. Because this is not a joke, this is serious man. Men whom Allah loved and chose and gave them the yaqeen to become scholars. So initially people said, no, no, no. Convert, maybe his life before Islam, everything was wrong. Islam Islam wiped everything before it. Unless in this land we accept to marry those who convert to Islam, we're losers. Seriously. If we can, we should. So that inshallah the land become ours. So Islam, they say, in Medina so much spread that there is not one single house. There is no Islam in it. At least there will be either a woman or a man or sometimes a young man or a young woman who embraces Islam. Everybody was talking about Islam in Medina. The Prophet wasallam. In that bay'ah he gave, he chose 12 to be leaders in Medina. Okay? Now, <laughs> this is the spiritual path people don't understand. I'm going to talk about this here because people sometimes say things without knowledge and it is sad to hear it. They say, well, these Sufis, they don't know what they're talking about. They're ignorant. I challenge any man. I challenge any man or woman who says this. Go and tell me of any book these great men who have written after the Prophet which is not from them. Any book. All the mother of the books, all the encyclopedias of Islam are written by them. And I challenge all of them to go and see any other man who wrote, even the imams, Ja'far al-Sadiq, uh, Imam Malik, Abu Hanifa, Imam al-Shafi'i, or all the other imam, if they did not write that they were feeling joy and happiness when they met somebody who was called Sufi at the time. Read yourself. But they don't mention these things. Subhanallah. This is it. That's the way we should think about it. Now, in Tasawwuf, there is a wait for the path. There is like... A, a system, okay, through which a person goes. So when the person enters, he becomes a follower, a murid. A murid meaning somebody who wants Allah, <coughs> who will do his best so that the example of Muhammad will be seen in him, in whatever he says or does, by fulfilling the five pillars of Islam and doing that which is compulsory upon him Whatever the reason, he will never leave. That he will die upon. And will strive and struggle to increase his iman by doing the good and leaving that which is wrong. And then he will try to find a way to surrender to Allah. The next stage, the zikr that is given, is to put you into positions. So when a person reaches a position and there is too many people and there are wide among them, they choose them, okay? The first choice is to become an aqib. Those men whom the Prophet chose, 12 from Al-Khazra, to, uh, 9 from Al-Khazra and 3 from Al-Aws, those 12, he called them Nuqaba. One of them is Naqib. Meaning, a man who can lead a group of men and women in the understanding of traveling in the journey to Allah. This what the Sufis do. In the, when you read the Mawlid, when 73 men and two women came to the Prophet and gave a bay'ah to him, 
Bay'ahum Rasulullah sallallahu He gave a bay'ah to them and promised them that he will come to them and support them and be with them as long as they can defend him. Waqtara minhum ithna ashara naqiban jihajiha. And he chose from them 12 to become nuqaba. Meaning, strong men, full of wisdom, he could see in their eyes the eagerness to spread this beautiful message. Not by force, not by shouting down, not by abusing, but by gentleness and kindness and wisdom. Invite to the way of Allah by using wisdom and gentle words. So those 12 were there in Medina doing their job. The Prophet ﷺ, once he realized Medina is settled and life was becoming harder in Mecca, he felt now people should go. But it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy because a lot of people who were leaving, they were brought back by the mushrikeen. They were hanging outside, okay, like thugs, robbers, okay, mafia, waiting. Some of them, they have to give their wealth so that they can get to Medina. Some of them, they have to allow their families to remain behind, to go by themselves, or to let their families go and they brought them back. Okay? Some of them, they were beaten up. Some of them, they were taken. Some of them, they were killed. Okay? But the Prophet asked them to leave quietly and go. Now, there is a lesson in this. Next week, we'll talk about Muhammad Sallam, Hijrah himself. But here we're going to just talk about the men who made the hijrah. And when we talk about those men, I'll imagine such names like you have Umar bin Khattab, Talha, Wahamza, a great man, Zayd ibn Haritha, Abdurrahman ibn Awf, Zubair, Abu Huzaifa, Uthman, Abu Salama, many. Those are great men well known in Mecca. All of them the Prophet said to them, when you leave, leave quietly. Don't try to show that you are leaving. Don't enter into an argument. Don't enter into a fight. Don't do anything. Just go quietly until you reach Medina. That's the place where you settle. Just like what he said to the people who went to Abyssinia. But listen to the message today of some of the people who want to bring Islam back by force. That you need, even if you are alone, just go out. Even if you die, alhamdulillah. Okay? Just kill yourself. That's not the way of Rasulullah He could have went out. Why did he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, have to leave Mecca in the dark and go to the cave and hide for three days? Was he a coward, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Was he frightened from them? He left his house and he went, and they were all asleep. He could have made Mecca all of it and left, took all of them together. But in this, there is great lessons. Not for them then, for us now. The lesson is for us now. What is the lesson that we need to learn? When we face difficulties, when we come through troubles, when we face that which makes our life difficult or our family's life difficult or those whom we love, we should be very careful. Not to do anything to make it harder, but to use the wise way that Allah has taught Muhammad and his companions, so that we can reach our destination. Shouting, screaming, doing the wrong thing will never benefit us, will never guide us, will never put us in the 
real path. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam have done as a favor by doing it this way. So those men, when they left Mecca to Medina, they left quietly. They left quietly. Many of them, they were leaving and they were told, you are not allowed to leave. And they knew they have a lot of wealth. So what did they choose? To leave their wealth behind. Did they become poor when they went to Medina? They became some of the rich, like Abraham ibn Auf. He became one of the richest. He, went, he left everything. He went there. The Prophet felt sorry for him. Ya Abdurrahman, how are you going to? He said, Ya Rasulullah, I don't need anybody. He said, no, people should help you. Other people can put money, allow him, because he's a businessman. He said, Ya Rasulullah, just show me where the market is. Yes, I need to show. He went to the market, he came with money. Because he's a businessman, he knows what to do. Some, some people, you give them money to go to the market, they come with nothing. <laughs> like a lot of people today, I want to do business. I'm, I'm going to be a businessman. I'm going to be rich. Just give me some money, I'll make it. <laughs> you give them a thousand, they come to and say, if you only give me another thousand. And you keep giving them and they will come with nothing. Come on, let us be clever. Let us be wise. Let us be like those people whom Allah has favored, such as Muzab ibn Umair. Okay? And Talha and Zubair ibn al-Awam. These are the people Allah promised paradise. They went quietly. They did a favor to us by not showing or going out of their way to take the mushrikeens and uh, names or idols and break them and fight. No, no, no. They didn't do that. Quietly. When you see today the Muslims going out and burning the flags of other nations, tell them it's wrong. When you see them standing and slandering the religion of others or the gods of other people, tell them it is haram. Allah said in the Quran, do not insult the gods of those who worship beside Allah, for they are going to insult Allah. And the cause is you, so you have insulted Allah. When you swear at somebody's mother, and he swears at your mother, you have sworn at your mother. This is what the Prophet says. If you go out of your way, you call somebody's mother's name, and they call your mother a name, you called your mother a name, because you started it. So please, it is a time now we need to be a little bit courageous in our way, not to, not to sympathize with those who do the wrong in the name of Islam. No, I will never. I have never, and I will never be. I will never stand with them. I will never talk their talk. I will never walk their walk. I will never do anything that will put us to shame in front of Rasulullah Islam is clear. Okay. Allah said in the Quran, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن هذا صراطي مستقيما Indeed, this is my path straight. فاتبعوه. Follow it. Who is this Sarah? Is it a road we follow? What is this Sarah? Do you know what is this Sarah? It's Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. His name is Sarah. This is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Upright man, straightforward man, an honest man, a truthful man, a gentleman, a kind man, a man who was sent as mercy, who never put his hand up to ask for destruction for his people. As I said last week, he never prayed again as the people of Taif. He put his hand, he said, Ya Rabbi, They were beating him up until he was bleeding, but still he prayed for them. And here we are, coming from our land, living in a land which is not ours. It is people are dying to know the truth, welcoming us, fighting for us. Some of us who are doing damage, 
they're going to court and saying, no, they should stay human rights. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. But Allah is making them do this so that we can do the job. The job of what? Of bringing peace to the world. Of uniting the people of the world. Of making Adam السلام, proud of us. Making Ibrahim السلام, feeling that his dua is being accepted properly. Oh our Lord, bring from the midst of them a messenger who will deliver. Delivery is for us to live Islam. To strive so that we can inshallah make peace in this world. May Allah guide me and guide you. May Allah strengthen me and strengthen you. May Allah give me tawfiq and give you tawfiq. And inshallah, bismillah ta'ala, next week we'll talk about the hijrah of Muhammad sallam. His journey to Medina. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Rabbana zidna ilma wa zidna fahma wa jalna min rashidin. Rabbana zidna ilma wa zidna fahma wa jalna min rashidin. Rabbana zidna ilma wa zidna fahma wa jalna min rashidin. Wa salli wa sallim ala sinna Ahmad al-Nabi al-Amin wa alihi wa sallim. Subhana rabbika rabbil azat amma yasifun wa salamun ala al-murtah. Alhamdulillah rabbil alamin al-fatih. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin al-Rahman al-Rahim. Malik yawmiddin yakan abudiyakan astayin. Adina sirat al-mustaqim. Sirat al-lazina an'amta alayhim. Ghayr al-maghdubi alayhim. Wal